I think we already had church, amen? Navy, I don't know if you know it, but the Holy Spirit just ministered to a room of people through you. That's incredible. Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you are all here this morning. Uh, you might be able to tell by the bread and the cup that we're doing communion this morning. That, that's where we're going. This message is going to land with us participating in this sacred moment that for thousands of years Christians have done to physically, tangibly, not just with our minds but with our bodies to remember the work of Jesus. But as we get there, we're continuing in our lowborn series where we're examining the ways that Jesus is the king that we needed but never the king that we saw coming. The way Jesus consistently and continually challenges our expectations of what it means to lead and to rule and to reign and to be powerful. So today we started off in Genesis. The first two weeks we were in Genesis. Now we're going to the whole other end of the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Revelation. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Revelation. We are going to be in chapter 5. If you've read the book of Revelation before, then you might be nervous. (laughs) That's okay. Um, The book of Revelation is confusing. If someone tells you that they fully understand it, uh, run away, Um, because they don't. Um, Revelation chapter 5, we're going to read this whole chapter. This is a beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture. Revelation 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Then I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, God, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and tongue. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, that you are faithful to speak through, that we sit under. And today, as we always do, we ask that your word would be the banner we sit under, that your name would be the name we are here for. Jesus, 
If there's anything that's from me or my opinions, let it be revealed so it can be forgotten. But what is from you and faithful to you, let that be remembered. Let it echo in our hearts so that it would form us closer to your likeness. We're here for Jesus. And Jesus, may your name be the only name on our hearts as we leave. Amen. How many of you guys love a good underdog story? Anybody love a good underdog story? Yeah, like March Madness this year. My bracket was ruined day one, partially because I'm a Duke fan, and that means I've never cheered for an underdog before, which is nice. Um, But uh, it also means that my bracket was busted on day one, and the whole thing was just a Cinderella story. But I love underdog stories. For the record, I think most of the best movies are underdog stories. Like, if you don't like Remember the Titans, then I don't trust you as a person. Um... Underdog stories are the best, some of the best movies, the movies we love to watch, the stories we love to tell, they're underdog stories. Remember the Titans, Princess Diaries, Tommy Boy. The best movies are underdog stories, right? They've all got some sort of element in them of this unlikely hero that we don't expect to be victorious and to overcome. Like These are the stories that we love to tell. And if you think about it, every good story, every human story has some element of this underdog in it. People that study story, people that teach narrative form would say that every good story has a few elements and one of those elements is conflict. And for conflict to be believable, there has to be a belief that the conflict might not be overcome. In other words, Superman has to have kryptonite or the story isn't interesting. There's, there's something about being human. We are familiar with the difficulty of life. We all are not surprised when life is hard and when life is painful. So the stories that connect with us deeply are always the stories of someone that we didn't expect and that we would have never imagined triumphing in circumstances that seem impossible over and over and over again. Cross cultures throughout history, the stories we tell. In fact, I would venture to say that the stories you tell, the ones that aren't just the funny stories that get a laugh, but the stories that you like to tell about times in your life are times where there was a difficult thing that you overcame. The stories that get passed down from your family, that define your family, when maybe your grandpa would sit down and say, let me tell you who we are, let me tell you what kind of people you came from. They would tell stories about overcoming. They would tell stories about the underdog triumphing. We love stories where the kid who got picked on gets to prove his bullies wrong. We love stories where the the couple that should have never worked out makes it work. We love stories where Liam Neeson, no one took him seriously, but he had a very special set of skills, skills that make him a nightmare for people like that, right? We love those kind of stories. We love underdog stories. And I want to make this obvious. So this is going to be a little heavy-handed. So roll with me. We love stories where the lamb turns out to be a lion. We love stories where the one who shouldn't have triumphed does. But we don't have much of a category for stories where the lion turns out to be a lamb. There's something about the story of Jesus that goes against every story that we tell. There's a reason why this is a story that is told over and over and over again because there's obstacles, there's an underdog, but the underdog triumphs 
by being slain. See, John, the author of Revelation, is, is revealing to us something specific here, and God is revealing to him something specific through this vision that he's having that is confusing in the book of Revelation. But in this place, we see something that becomes a defining and an interpretive tool. Every once in a while when you're reading scripture, the author will introduce a statement or an analogy that helps us understand the rest of the book. And in this story, we see this conflict happen. There's a conflict that we don't know how it's going to be overcome. There's a scroll. This scroll seems to represent God's end, God bringing justice, God make the God's plan and God's will. How is it going to be accomplished? And there's nobody who's worthy. When we think of worthiness, we think of strength. When we think of worthiness, we think of honor. When we think of worthiness, we think of someone who is victorious and who has proven themselves victorious over and again. And they look all through heaven and earth, and there's no one who can open the scroll. So John is weeping. He is upset. And one of the elders gives this statement that speaks to the worthiness of the one who will open the scroll. He says, Don't be afraid, don't worry, don't cry. The lion of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. The lion has triumphed. And John turns, looking for a lion, and he sees a lamb. He sees a lamb that looks like it has been slain. And throughout the rest of the book of Revelation, consistently we see Jesus, even in his victory and power, referred to as the Lamb. It becomes almost an interpretive idea that shows us something about the character of God. I just want to ask you this morning, as we prepare for communion, how often do we come to Jesus looking for a lion and we miss him because he was actually a lamb that was slain? How often do we come to Jesus looking for someone to overpower our troubles and our concerns, to roar into our situation, so we miss his whisper that so often reveals his character? You know, there's a story in the book of, I believe in the book of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, where Elijah encounters the presence of God and there's a wind and there's a fire and there's an earthquake. There are lots of things roaring at him, but God wasn't in each of them. He wasn't in any of them. He was a still small voice. He was a whisper. Scripture is full of these seemingly confrontational, seemingly, they don't make sense. They don't live up to our expectations of what a king would be. These statements that tell us about how God works, like it's your kindness that brings us to repentance. When I think of someone changing their mind, I don't think of being gentle and kind to them, I think of winning. But Jesus said it's his kindness, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Or statements like, mercy triumphs over judgment, but isn't judgment a triumph? Isn't, doesn't judgment represent victory over what needed to be judged? But rather scripture says mercy triumphs. All throughout scripture, we see this narrative that brings us to this point. We are always looking for a lion. We're looking for a king who comes in power and glory and will prove himself to us. We're looking for someone that, that we want to follow. We're looking for someone that can validate and make us feel strong, and we always miss Jesus, the lamb. 
in whose weakness is his strength, who subjects himself to death, who subjects himself to our sin, who triumphs through death. Later on in the song that they sing, they sing that the lamb is worthy because the lamb was slain. The mercy triumphed. Oftentimes, when I go to the Lord, when I go to the Lord looking for something to change in my life, what I want from the Lord is for him to roar, for him to use his power to force something to change in my life. I say, God, fix it. I don't want to think like this. I don't want to be like this. I want the lion to come and roar away the darkness of my heart. And I miss the lamb who rather took the darkness upon himself and whispers a better way. Oftentimes when I'm praying for someone else, I pray for God to roar into their life, to get their attention, to grab them by the collar and shake them. I think sometimes I miss what Jesus actually does, how he actually brings about change in our lives. Because I was looking for a lion who turned out to be a lamb. The lion is a lamb. The strength and power and majesty of God is revealed in his gentleness. You know, it's interesting, no kings, no royalty put lambs on their shields or lambs on their banners. But we serve a king who proves over and over and over again that love triumphs, that mercy triumphs, that gentleness and self-control are the way. And we see in the scripture that the Holy Spirit reveals these things in us. The Holy Spirit forms these things in us as we surrender to the gentle work of the lamb. So we're going to take communion. Before we do that, we're going to do something that is awkward for almost all of us, and that is sit in silence. We really like silence around the fold. Most places don't really like silence. Most of us, I don't really like silence personally, but for as long as there have been Christians, there have been Christians practicing silence as a form of introspection. So as we prepare for communion, we are going to spend five minutes in silence. And here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you've been expecting a lion and missing the lamb. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's someone that you have been praying for a lion to move in their life instead of the lamb to be gentle. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to just orient our expectations around the gentleness of Jesus as he consistently reveals himself to us. And then we will participate physically with our senses in the clear picture of Jesus as the lamb who was slain, in which we take his body and his blood represented in the bread and the cup. And we remember that forever our king triumphed through sacrifice like a lamb that was slain. So I'm gonna pray and then we are gonna take five whole minutes. Just so you know, five minutes is a lot longer than you think it is. So it's gonna get awkward. It's okay if you feel awkward. But in this time, 
Invite the Holy Spirit to show you your expectations and align them with his character. Jesus, we come to you today asking you to show us this part of your character that we miss so often. We know you are the Lion of Judah. We know you are victorious and you are mighty and you're strong. You are omnipotent and you are powerful, but God, we find it easy to believe you are powerful. At least I do. I find it hard to believe you are gentle and you are kind. I sometimes find it hard to trust that it is your sacrifice and your mercy that brings change in my heart, not force or control or domination. So Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would align us with this part of the character of God, the gentleness revealed in the lamb that was slain. Show us the places we have been expecting the lion and missing the lamb so that we can see how you are working in our lives and in our midst. Let us not miss you. Amen. Let's engage in five minutes of silence.
for some of us, maybe the most important thing that happened this morning was five minutes of silence because that is so rare for all of us. We're going to take communion now. Once again, this is a sacred moment that for as long as there have been Christians, they have participated in this at the instruction of Jesus. This act in which we believe that we physically participate in remembering. We remember with our taste buds, with our smell, with our bodies, the work of Jesus. Today we will be partaking by intinction. If you're not familiar with what that means, that means you take the bread and you dip it in the juice. Um, for those of you who have a gluten sensitivity, this is gluten-free, all of it. Um, for those of you who don't, tough. Um, you have to have the gluten-free stuff. Actually, you don't. In the back, we have individually wrapped uh, uh, communion packets if you would prefer that and that is available to you as well those are not gluten free um, now we remember and we remember with our whole selves that on the night Christ was betrayed he took bread and he broke it after giving thanks he said this is my body broken for you every time you eat do so in remembrance of me in the same manner, he took the cup and gave thanks. Lifting it, he said, this is the blood of a new covenant poured out for the salvation of many. Every time you drink, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever you're ready, the table is open to come participate in communion here or in the back, in the back of this aisle, whichever you feel more comfortable with. The invitation is open. The table is ready. Come remember the lamb who was slain.